I invite you, if you have a worship folder, to take out the sermon notes, or if you'd like to do it on the app, that's there. The scriptures um, should be there as well for us this morning. And if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 27, and then turn over to Colossians chapter 2, you can keep a finger on each, um, however that works for you. But we have been talking about becoming Easter people over the last several weeks. That we would be a people whose lives have been transformed because they have encountered the risen Christ. And we've looked at a couple of characters so far that encountered Jesus on that day. And so this morning, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, we recognize that Palm Sunday is significant not only for the people that that were there, but because we recognize that Palm Sunday was looking forward, that, that it was a time that was intentional toward the cross of Good Friday. And so we're going to look at these two passages this morning in Matthew 27, the death of Jesus on the cross, and then Colossians 2, the impact of that it has on all of our lives because the interesting thing is there's this tension you know as we head into good friday and we wonder well why is the death of somebody this horrible insanely painful process uh, of that jesus went through why why is it so important and yet at the same time we're, we celebrate it because we understand of the outcome of it. That there's this tension because we, we see our sin. We see the brokenness in our own lives and in the lives of our world as it surrounds us. And we know that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, had to die. But at the same time that we understand and we see death and we don't like death, that death was never intended in the, in the grand scheme of things when, when God created us. He created us to be with Him at all times. That, that at the same time, we rejoice the fact that we know that God loved us so much that Jesus was sent and willing to die on our behalf. And that should never be out of view, though, is the fact that the story didn't end with the grave. That we can have hope. If, if it ended in the grave, then it, he was a moral man. He was a good teacher, but he couldn't be a savior. And so we look at Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to start in verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, the earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When Centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. And if we jump forward to Colossians chapter 2, 
verses 12 through 15. It says, Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, to say it rather simply, things have changed over the past year. Our world has, has been facing a lot of different things, and, and while we recognize that things are always changing, we also there's this noticeable shift that's kind of been going on that's happened in some areas of our lives. And while we're going to get through this, and we will get through it, there are going to be things that are impacted, that will be noticeable, things different at certain points for those that have lost loved ones it will be very different and this is nothing new if you're a student of history in fact if you look back there are many key moments throughout history um, where things changed and in more recent memory uh, you you can think of the great depression you can look to the bombing of Pearl Harbor, assassinations of presidents and global leaders, and even more recently, we can even look back to the days of 9-11. When everything changed is an appropriate phrase that we can look to today. And I want us to broaden our horizons as we look to the cross, to truly understand that for all mankind, the cross is the moment when everything changed. And I want to show you three things that have changed for you and it's changed for me because of what happened through Christ on Calvary. The first impact of the cross for us, is that as you believe, when, when your faith intersects with what Christ did that very day, your past has changed. Not just the past at that history moment of, at, from where Jesus died beyond, you know, and, and before, but when your faith is put in him, it extends into your past. The things that you've been a part of. It extends into your life because Jesus' payment was accepted on your behalf of your sins. Not just other people's. Your sins. It wasn't just the Israelite sin that, that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was the sin that, of all of us that caused Jesus to hang on that cross that day. He was paying the price for all of humanity's sins. 
So the key thing for each of us is that the moment that you believe in Jesus, the moment that you put your faith in what he has done, the payment that he made, we understand that your past is taken care of. It's completely altered. So, it's, so today, for, for you and for me, if you've put your faith in Jesus, your past is different than it was while you were living in sin. The wrongs have been forgiven. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says that he forgave all our sins, having canceled the written code. If you're wondering what the written code is, it, it's, it, we, we get a, not a great translation in, in that because Paul uses this phrase throughout his writings and his letters, and, and we see it in the Philippians, and we talked about that earlier this year, and it's here again in Colossians that where Paul is using this legal word, kirographon. It's an understanding, a word basically means a handwritten note of indictments that are against us. All the debts that you have. It's, it's, a, it's a written lit letter of, or list of indebtedness. So, so imagine a ledger sheet. It's tax season. We, we can look at a lot of different things, government taxes, all the different parts. You, you got credits in one hand and debits on the other. And we understand that as we look at this list on our behalf of the sins that we have versus even what we can try to do in the good things as credits, we realize that we are absolutely bankrupt. We stand guilty and we have no way in and of ourselves to pay the debt of sin that we owe. And because of this reality, is we, we, we realize that while sin does its best to distort the truth, the very real status, the very real result of sin in our life is death and separation from God. So as Christ hung there on the cross, we can understand, and this is what Paul is trying to get us to visually understand, is that this list that, that stands and says that we are guilty, this indictment charges that, that, that's all there, that as Christ hung there, we understand that that list was nailed to the cross with him. That what he went through, the pain, the agony, the misery, he was doing so on our behalf that he took each of our lists and nailed it there on the cross for your debt and my debt. For they became his debt on our behalf. So we stand guilty before God. We have this note of indebtedness. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And we've all been separated because of our sin from God. And as we choose to place ourselves in places of honor all the time, we, we try to be God ourselves, and so we sin and we do that constantly. But as we say it, and, and, and I see the world all the time doing this, I see people, even people that, that believe in Christ, they, they get this idea, well, I'm just human. I can't help myself. God made me this way. 
And you can put all these different excuses there. We try to excuse it. But the reason that all this pain and brokenness exists in the world isn't because God wanted it to be that way. The reason for all this pain and brokenness and sin in the world is because of sin. We spoiled the, godness, the goodness of God's creation. It was our fallenness, our brokenness that brought all of this on. And God, however though, is so good that he had a plan to redeem us through the cross. And so Paul is saying that in spite of all our own choices of, of sin, that that when we put our faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, that we take all that list of sin that holds us guilty, that we stand before God and knowing that we could never pay this debt, and that Christ takes this letter of guilt with him and with each of our signatures on it, and he dies for us. And because that's true, it says in verse 14 of Colossians chapter 2, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. It died on the cross. Because of those things that we've all done that have caused us to fall short, Christ was willing to have it nailed above his head because in that moment he was being treated like you and I deserved to be treated. And so that we could be fully restored into relationship with God. And once we accept that payment, once we accept that that debt has been dealt with on our behalf, then from that moment on, our past is completely changed. We have a hard time understanding that. We have a hard time understanding that kind of love. So what do we do? How, I mean, we can't explain it. What are we going to do? We have to accept that kind of love. We have to lean into that kind of love. We have to be completely transformed by that kind of love. The kind of love that you can't explain, that can't be defeated, because he did it on the cross. He did it once and for all. But we have this mistaken thought, well, you know, yeah, God did this, but, you know, I feel so guilty that, well, I'm going to try and just do better. Instead of leaning into what God has already done and, be, and the power of his resurrection, we decide, well, I'm going to do better. Instead of leaning to the cross, which doesn't allow us to be the hero, many of us will respond by trying harder and doing good deeds instead of truly trusting in Jesus, who's already paid the price. And don't miss this. Jesus paid for all of your sins, not just some of them. So turning to what you can do is not only futile, it's basically insulting to think that what Jesus went through and was willing to do on the cross, that somehow you're going to add to it. 
It doesn't need to be added. It's complete. It's whole. It's done. Live into the fact that your past is no longer held against you when you put your faith in Christ. The gospel message of hope is that what happened on the cross is not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people coming to life. And the only way that dead people could come to life is that the author of life was willing to die on the cross. The second thing that changed, though, is your future. When you trust Christ, not only is your past altered, but your future is completely opened up. Your future is completely changed. While the cross dealt with your past, his resurrection is all about your future. God's resurrection power enables us to be a resurrected people. Don't miss this. Because of the cross and Christ's resurrection, there is life after death. One day, there will be a full resurrection of those who have chosen to put their faith in God. And because of this, and because of his blood on the cross has paid the penalty for our sin, because of this full resurrection, we have the promise of life after death. Philippians 3, verse 21 says that he will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Our fear of death should dissolve because Jesus already defeated it. He stared it down, and he came out victorious. And as believers, we can declare emphatically and passionately that my life is in God's hands, and I can live a life of sharing God's love regardless of what other things anybody would think because we have no need to fear death because we know that when we die, that if you put your trust in Christ, your future is secure. That when you breathe your last breath here on earth, you do not have to be afraid. Death can't touch you because it touched him and was defeated on our behalf. That's why Paul encourages us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So, so our past is put behind us. We no longer have to live in fear of that Our future is set free eternally. We do not have to fear death. Because we will be united with Him and fully resurrected. The third thing I want to understand is because of the cross that our present is changed too. 
God didn't just send a son to die to save you from something or even to something. He saved you for something. If he wanted just to save us and get us to heaven, then he would have sent us, you know, sent us to heaven as soon as we believed. But we're here for something. God has you here for a purpose. He has a plan for your life to be used, to touch, to love, to serve, to impact all kinds of people that you will deal with before you go home to be with him. And so here we are. In, in good times and bad times and in these times that have never before dealt with, you know, the opportunity for us on behalf of Christ to reach out to one another, to reach out to those that we deal with and show love, to live out the reality of the kingdom of God, that it would be felt and understood that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God has given us the task of telling everybody what he's doing. That there is hope. That there is love. That you don't have to earn. You can't give enough of it away. You, that, that it is fully present in our life. That, that we've all been called just for such a just a moment as this. That it's not by accident that we are here in this day, in this time. It's, it's not a mistake that we're alive right now. That you have been called. Where you are. Where you live. In these days, to, to use everything that you are to display the hope of what God gives us. It, so much like Isaiah, we, we can look and we can say, but God, I, I live in the, such a horrible time. You know, the, God, we're, we're so messed up. There's so much brokenness. There's, you know, it, Isaiah declared, I am a man of unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. But at the same time, he says, God, send me. And we need to understand that declaration is for us as well. Send me. Send me into my community. Send me into my neighborhood. Send me into my home. Send me into my workplace that I might be a representative of you because you have changed my past. You've given me a future and I can live differently now. Whatever it is, God, that you call me to do, let me be an expression of your love. Let me use whatever influence I have. Let me use whatever microphone, whatever platform I have to articulate the, that this, 
to a broken and dying world that Jesus died on the cross and it gives me and you and everybody else freedom and hope that nothing else will ever be able to provide. Because at the moment that Jesus died, everything changed. Because he broke the code that was hanging over all of our lives, that kept us separated from God. And the code and the written law of every kind of wrong that we've ever done. And now because Jesus has paid for it, we no longer are dead in our sins. We have forgiveness. We have wholeness. We have freedom. We have hope. We stand on tiptoes waiting for the renewal of all things, expectant of what God is going to do. And in the meantime, we've been sent into a broken world with this very message of hope. That we would be like those people on the triumphal entry, waving our branches, singing, God, hallelujah, Emmanuel, God with us. Praise the Lord, for he brings all new things. He makes all new things. And as a resurrection people, a people of Easter, we stand free to live into God's love and to be ambassadors of God's kingdom message. You see, an Easter people doesn't just celebrate once a a year. An Easter people, a people of God's love that understand his the price has been paid that kind of people out of thankfulness live into their community they don't retreat they live into it they lean into it knowing that god's got this god is more than capable to whatever we would face and so we celebrate We take communion cups, and together we understand as a community that Christ took care of the debt that we owed, that we have been set free to live anew. So I know most of you are used to this by now. We have two different parts. I invite you to, to separate them and and be ready to hold on to them so we can take them together. But we're reminded that in the same night that our Lord was betrayed, He took bread, and when He'd given thanks, He broke it and gave it to His disciples, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, He took the cup, and when He'd given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, today, on this Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, we understand that it was all headed to the cross. And this week, this holy week, We are constantly reminded of of your movement and and the things that happened. Times with your disciples. 
That God, as you, you were headed to the cross to pay for our sins, to pay for our past, that you gave us a hope and a future. To live into this present moment with exciting joy and freedom because you have set us free. And for whoever Christ has set free, they are free indeed. Lord, send us. May we ever be remindful of what you did on that night. And so we come before you in true humility and faith as we partake of this holy sacrament through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be thankful. Go into all the world and preach the gospel news, the good news. Use words, use your actions, use your life. You are dismissed.